0: This is Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. Good morning, everybody. It is Sunday, May 1st, the first Sunday of May. Mm -hmm. It has finally arrived. Although, if I have to admit, the temperature outside... 34 degrees, and there was a frost advisory in effect. Ugh. It could be better. Yeah, it really could be better. But at least the high today is supposed to be near like 70. So pretty good pretty good uh, weather for today, at least in terms of central New York standards. But welcome to Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio Syracuse. 97.7 FM, 100.1 FM, 1200 AM, 1440 AM. You can also catch us on ESPNSyracuse.com. Uh, as well as wherever you get your podcasts. So just type in your search bar wherever you get your podcasts, look for ESPN Syracuse, and then search for the latest players-only episode. Uh, you should be able to find that pretty easily. That was the good news that I mentioned this morning, um, the fact that it's the first Sunday of May. Um, but the bad news is we only have three shows left. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
1: Right towards the end of the
0: school yeah. season. Yep, right. Uh. The, we're going until the weekend before Memorial Day weekend, which May 22nd, by the way, is our last show uh, for at least this year. Yep. And you know what's really significant about May 22nd? What's that? It's my birthday. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I had to throw that in. Um. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's like I was looking at the calendars like, Wow, last show on my birthday. What a horrible birthday present. Yeah. Um, but hey, we're here. That's still three weeks away. Yep. Um, so let's get right to it. So let's talk. Let's talk baseball. Uh, high school baseball in particular. Um, we got ourselves a great show for you today. By the way, um, we'll ex- I'll explain more later. But let's talk uh baseball, and we start with uh, a pretty good game. Uh, between Salve and Homer. And uh Salve ends up winning this one 3 to 1 uh in a really great game. Uh if you look it, it was it was tight throughout. Salve was 3 runs, 5 hits, 1 error. Homer was 1 run off 9 hits. Yep. and 1 error. So Homer was hitting the ball, they just weren't getting the runs across the plate across the plate. Um, In terms of Solveig batting, um, Samuel Gonzalez was 1-for-3, had an RBI um, off a single. Uh, Daniel Mrowinski was 1-for-1, 0-for-1, I should say, did score a run. Uh, Jonathan Gonzalez-Perez, 2-for-3 on the day with two singles. uh, Didn't drive in a run. I mean, the two runs that were scored... Oh, the three runs that were scored. Zachary Balduzzi scored two of them. And then Samuel Gonzalez scored uh, the other one. Um, uh, Homer, the only run that was scored, was was driven in by Braden Marsh. Uh, That was the only run that was scored there. But you look at the pitching. Solveig's starting pitcher, Dan Morinsky. Seven innings, nine hits, one run, two walks, three Ks. Gave up a home run. Or, uh, hit a batter, I should say. Um, not bad. You know, again, a, a pitching one run ball yep. over seven innings, that's that's not bad at all.
1: Yeah, a complete game right there. That's all you need out of a pitcher. If he can do that on a consistent basis, that's all you're going to need out of a guy who's starting off the game for you.
0: Uh, on the other side, Homer, uh, Mitchell Earl pitched five innings, ended up getting the loss. Uh, gave up four hits, two runs, two earned, uh, walk three, but struck out ten. He
1: had another great, a great
0: pitching, a great pitching performance by by Mitchell, but unfortunately, he didn't have a lot of the run support.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just Homer couldn't generate enough offense, and really, I just think they couldn't generate momentum. Because as you mentioned, they out hit in this one, so it wasn't that they couldn't get the hits; they just couldn't get them in the same inning it seemed like and it got to the point where you get the guys on base but you can't drive them in and that's where you lose games where you should win them and homers one of the best teams in the section they should be competing up there once we get to playoff time they'll be up there for the best teams in the section but these are the games where you need to beat teams and solve is a great team and i think they showed that uh, with their pitching and their hitting ability. Salve proved to be the better team in this one, mm. but I'm really looking at an improvement from Homer down the stretch to get better about getting that momentum going, scoring those runs rather than just getting hits but not getting the runs in.
0: Yeah, strong pitching will carry you far. Yep. And, and great defense as well, but if, if you can't score runs, you won't be able to win games. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Homer learned in this one. Yeah, they got nine hits on the board. But you couldn't put a, uh, only, you only put one run in through. So that means they were leaving a ton of guys on base. And if you leave a ton of guys on base, you're not going to score runs.
1: I mean, Salve is a really good team. You see guys like John Gonzalez, Sam Gonzalez, Anthony Berry, and Jordan Dipple. Those four really good players right there. Uh, so Salve is a team that they're another team built for the playoffs, and I could really see Salve making a run this year.
0: Yeah, I agree. And both teams are really good. Yeah. Uh, Salve is now eight and four. Homer seven and four. Um, you know, both of these teams are really good. Um, this was just a game where one team was better, had a better job putting runs across. Than the other team, yep. You know, equal. They're equal in terms of pitching and hitting, but it was just they had the better luck of of yep. putting runs uh, on the board. So let's move on now to a game where runs were in no short supply uh, between New York Mills and Hamilton. Uh, New York Mills won this one. They played the regulation seven innings. By the way, yep. New York Mills won fifteen to five. Um, really a really great game, but there was also a ton of errors in this game. Uh, and I'll explain why here as I, as I run down the line score for you, New York mills, 15 runs on 14 hits, four errors, Mm -hmm. Hamilton, five runs, six hits, four errors. Okay. So eight errors combined between the two teams. Um, that's not good. But then you're like, well, wait a minute. Why did New York Mills win 15-5? to Well, it was due to some really good hitting. Ryan Comic, uh, two for four on the day. Two RBIs, a single and a double. Timothy Lavier, two for five on the day. He had two singles. Um, two for three, Ty Albright. He had two singles as well, also driven in a run. You know, uh, and then I, I guess the coup d'etat here Logan Copperwheat, three for four on the day, four RBIs and three singles. New York Mills just came out and he hit. Copperweight's proven to be one of the best players in Class D. He's
1: been on fire, especially when it comes to his hitting. He, he's just he's the X factor of this New York Mills team. They rely on him to bring a lot of the hitting power. And I mean, he brought it today or in that game.
0: Yeah, he sure did. And and the pitching-wise, okay, pitching-wise, Leo Cruz ended up getting the win for New York Mills. He had uh, pitched four innings, two hits, a run which was earned, five walked five, struck out eight.
1: The eight strikeouts, that's an impressive total right there, that is, especially that's, in four
0: innings. Yeah, that's a, in four innings of work, and you get the win after walking five guys. Yeah. I mean, he did better than Carlos Hernandez last night for the Kansas City Royals, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, sorry there was a little bit of a dig there um but that being said Hamilton didn't do that bad either it was just they ran into a red hot New York Mills team yep you know five runs off six hits and you know what killed them it was the errors yep you know if you keep making errors like that I mean both teams made four errors in this game but four errors if you commit four errors you're not gonna win yeah and, I mean, hands down.
1: The thing is, early in the game, it seemed like uh, Luke Jackson, their starting pitcher, got a little rocked. Uh, He allowed six earned runs and just over an inning pitched. And so once it got to that, it seemed like they lost focus. You look at their guy who came up next in Zach LaFrance. He pitched nearly three innings and only had two earned runs, yet they scored six Uh, runs in that third inning. That just goes to show you how once they got down early, they started committing those errors, those mental mistakes, and they lost focus of where they were at. And that's why they had to rotate through four pitchers because all those errors made so many earned runs possible, and that really just destroyed Hamilton's chances of maybe making a comeback. They lost focus of what they were after.
0: Yeah, it was 12-1 to after three innings. Yeah, It was not even close by that point. And I was I was surprised they didn't do the ten run rule right away. I don't yeah. know if they still have it, but you know, again, it was twelve one after three. Um, luckily, Hamilton ended up scoring four runs in the fifth and sixth inning combined um, to at least you know make it look a little bit more interesting. But you know, again, a ten a ten run loss. Now, granted, Hamilton's three and three on the year. They are a solid team. They are a solid team. They just ran into a red-hot New York Mills team that just, their bats were on fire Mm -hmm. on Friday. And there's really not much you can do. You just hold on tight and, you know, maybe you catch a break, maybe make it close. But, you know, again, six in the second, six in the third. By that point, game's over. One player on Hamilton who
1: did have a great game in the losing effort was Colby Campbell, Uh he went three for four on the night with three RBIs, two double or two singles and a double. That's pretty much as good of a performance as you're going to get out of mm-hmm. a single player. So he he did his best to keep it close, but it ended up just not being enough.
0: Yeah, and you know, again, lose by ten. You know, again, you commit fours in the game, you're not going to win much. Yeah. Finally, our last look in our top three from this past weekend. This is a big one. Pulaski came into this their game with Tully unbeaten, yep. at five and zero, oh, and Tully was uh, two and four on the year. Nothing wasn't you know wasn't really looking good, but Tully played a fantastic game on Saturday yesterday, and won eight to five over the previously unbeaten uh, Blue Devils of Pulaski. Eight runs, eleven hits, no errors for Tully. Uh, for Pulaski, five runs, eight hits, two errors. Um, nothing in terms of batting to look at for Pulaski, which or same thing with pitching. But if you look at Tully's hitting, the your top two batters each go two for three on the day. Yep. If you have your top two hitters hitting like that, you're you're going to win a ton of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of pitching, um, six innings for Matt. Congelli, six innings of work through 75 pitches, by the way. Six hits, two runs, one of which was earned. Walk three, struck out five. Yep, Not bad. Not bad at all. Tully got the job done. They they did.
1: And so you look at uh, how, as you mentioned, some of their players having really good performances, John McKenna, Andy Polak. But even still, their two best players had good games, but not great games. Like in terms of the overall season – The two guys you're really looking at on this team are Dan Mech and Zeke Moha. And they both had a single each, really didn't impress much. So uh, this is a game that shows how Tully can win even when their two best players aren't clicking. Uh, as well as they normally are. On the season, Mech has 10 runs and 7 hits. Moha, 8 runs, 11 hits. So these are two guys where they bring that every night, and even on the nights where they don't bring it, they can still beat a team like Pulaski, who, as you mentioned, undefeated going into this game. A real comeback win for Tully. It seemed like they needed it after a couple losses. I mean, so um, they had that loss against Bishop Lennon, 13-0, to the day before this game against Pulaski. So I and mean, that's what you need out of a team that was two and four bounce back win. Now you're looking to get wins over Cato Meridian tomorrow. That getting those couple wins that will really turn the season around for them.
0: Yeah, and and we're approaching essentially now. This is like the almost the last week. Well, actually, no, 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 the, no. There's I think we weeks. I think we got another two weeks left of regular season games. I think you're right. Um we're getting close to the home stretch now. Yep. And, you know, and Tully getting a big win like this, this helps. Yeah. Because you need to have at least a 400 record to make it into the postseason. And they're there at three and four. Yeah. You know, so, you know, they're there right now. Would they like to be like 500 or above? Absolutely, they would. And I think they have a chance mm-hmm. to do that later this year. Tully, by virtue of this win, uh, over Pulaski, and it's a huge one. Yep. Okay. As I said, Pulaski was unbeaten heading into this. To get a win like this and win by three runs, that is an amazing, amazing thing. And like I said, Ryan, that's a huge, huge confidence boost, mm-hmm. especially as we get into the final two weeks of the season. So, big win for Tully. Let's hope they continue that trend. We'll take a break when we come back. We will talk boys lacrosse. Um, It's been a while since we talked boys lacrosse. Um, So we got to get right back into the swing of things there. So we'll talk lacrosse next here on Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1. Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. And we're back. Just like I promised. We're back. Um, let's talk boys lacrosse now here on Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio Circus 97.7, 100.1. And we start off with a game that really should not have ended as close as it did. Um, this is a game that took place Thursday night, a 7 o'clock showdown underneath the lights. And ESM entering the game 7-2, taking on Auburn. It was six and four heading into this. And for the first half, it didn't look close. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, it was 10. Actually, it was 10-4. 10-4 ESM at the break, at the half. ESM, the Spartans get hold held to two goals the remainder of the way and yet still win by one. 12-11 was the final. Auburn scored seven goals in the second half, but came one goal short. Uh, and you look at some of the scoring on here. Uh, Evan de Bourgeois, four goals, no assists. Same thing with Jackson Palum, four goals, no assists on the day. Um, Trey Jones had two goals and two assists. Eric McCart had the remaining two goals and one assist as well. So, a lot of goals were unassisted. It's kind of yeah. surprising. Um, in terms of uh, goalies, Luke James uh, 11 saves, a lot of 11 goals. So an even five hundred, uh, even 50% save percentage. For Auburn, um, Balanced scoring everywhere. Zach Crosby, three goals, two assists. Same thing with Christian Hogan. Uh, Maddox Gorney had two goals and an assist as well. One goal apiece for Rocco Villanio and Noah Erickson. Also for Charles Cunningham. This balanced scoring all across for Auburn, and they battled back. They did. Yeah, they did. They battled back, but it came one goal short. Uh, Jackson Siddle, by the way, only saved four shots, so it was in and allowed twelve goals. So, not. I guess you can't say not a really good defensive a, a defensive game for for the Maroons, but at least Auburn found a way to battle back.
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, especially in that second half, they really just tightened up the defense, especially in terms of the defensemen. 10-4 uh, to 4 at halftime, that's not what you're looking at. If you're Auburn, you're not looking for that as a team that's supposed to be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESM is a game where, ESM's a really good team, but you can win this game, and to just have that you know, that for most teams, that's a morale-crushing uh, deficit right there where you're down 10-4, to but Auburn battled back. They proved that they can handle the adver- uh, adversity, and um, they didn't get the win. They lost by one point, but as one of the best teams in Class A, to lose that game, it's not a crusher. Uh, again, they have had some tough losses throughout the season. Mm-hmm. JD, that wasn't a great loss. FM, they could have won that game, but... Christian Hogan and Zach Crosby, they really uh, stepped up in this game as well. Uh, Colin Tarda—if you can't forget about him. He has 10 goals on the year. And so, uh, I mean, with Auburn's loss yesterday against West Hill, they've now dropped two straight. So Auburn's a team that really needs to step up, but they've got the players to do it.
0: Yeah, and and, and to be honest, as we said, both of these two teams are essentially going to be in the playoffs yep. regardless. Yeah. Um, I I would love for them to meet in like a first or second round matchup Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. I think it would be a a great matchup. Um, And and by the looks of it, you know, Auburn again, down 10-4 at the half, down six. Usually a lot of teams would just fold, you know, pack it up, fold it in, and you know. But Auburn didn't do that. They were down 12-9 at the end of the third quarter. They were within striking distance. But again, coming up one goal short in the fourth quarter, um, you know you got to give the Maroons credit. Yeah. That was a, a, a great game for them. Spartans escaped, and I don't, I don't know what the defensive game plan was, uh, or the off, i should say the offensive game plan for that second half. I'm surprised why ESM didn't just continue to pour it on like they did in the second quarter. Yeah. That to me raises questions.
1: It, it does, but I think that this ESM team has really silenced a lot of the doubters, especially in terms of how Jackson Palomas has played. Uh, he had four goals in this game, and that lowered his average on the season for, in terms of goals a game, mm. because uh, he has 42 goals through his 10 games. He's really impressed with how he's played so far. Him and De Bourgeois, those are the two leaders of this team, and Luke James and Goal, he is also impressed with some stellar play there. So, uh, I mean, I doubted this ESM team early on, but They've had some good wins recently. And yeah, they seem to be the real deal in Class B.
0: Mm-hmm. So again, I- I'd love to see these two teams meet in the playoffs. That'd be awesome if they did. Um, on to Class A, another Class A matchup: Ballinsville taking on Cicero North Syracuse. This was a game I thought would be close. It yeah. turned out not to be the case. Ballinsville wins twelve to four, winning by eight. Uh, and the game wasn't really. Close at all, all game. Yeah. Ballinsville led 5-1 at the end of the first quarter, 6-2 at the half, and then just scored three goals in the third and fourth quarter to win by eight. CNS did not play a ha- a great game. No. Nope. No. This was not a good game by the North Stars. Two goals for Mason Ciccarelli, uh, a goal each for John Carter and Ian Leahy. Uh, Carter added an assist as well. Uh, Leahy just got the goal. Uh, in terms of... Uh, Goalie play, 14 saves, though, by Peter Carter. He did his best. Yep. 14 saves and allowed only 12 goals. That's not bad. You know, your goalie was red hot. Is just that the office just couldn't generate anything yep. for the North Stars. Beville, on the other hand, had a great day. Carson Dill, three goals, one assist on the day for him. Keegan Lynch had two goals and an assist. Trey Ordway, two goals, two assists for four points leading the way. In terms of goalie play... Bowensville played two of them. Nicholas Carey, eight saves, allowed two goals. Mesa Clark, five saves, allowed two goals. 13 saves combined between the two. So, I don't know about you, but I think Bowensville is the cream of the crop at Class A. Cicero Circus no, was just trying desperately to hang on in that game Friday night.
1: Not only are they the best team in Class A, they're probably the best team in the section. Just looking at... How they've done the season. They didn't have a loss until yesterday when they finally picked up their first losses of the season against Victor of Section 5. So, I mean, this Baldwin'sville team is unstoppable in terms of in-section play. Especially, you wonder who impressed me in this game: Carson Dill. He led the team in scoring with a hat-trick, and uh, just he's been so impressive this season. This is his fourth game of the season with three goals. He's really just been one of the dominant players on this team, as well as Keegan Lynch. Uh, he's probably the leader of this team. 23 goals, 23 assists. And Trey Ordway, also a really good player. So Beville has the talent to, and I think if I had to pick a winner right now of class A, they'd be my pick. It, this game really showed how there's tiers in class A and Beville's on the first tier and CNS isn't on that first tier yet.
0: Yeah. And also to look at Carson Dill, just looking at his totals. He is a junior this year, by the way, last year he played as a sophomore, six goals, five assists on the year. This year, he has more than tripled his output in terms of, of goals, left. and there's still plenty of games left to play. You know, 19 goals on the year this year, six assists. This kid, you know, and as you said, four goals, four goals of well, four I should say four games with three goals. Yep. That's amazing in of itself. You know, Bolins, you know what? I totally agree with you, Bolinsville. If there were tears, like you said ville's on the top tier CNS is on the second tier but I think there's going to be one team though that Bollinville beat earlier this year that might throw a thorn into their plans for a section three Class A title that team Liverpool
1: yep yeah. um, only team even comparable in terms of record on the season
0: right and you know Beeville beat Liverpool earlier this year that being said though if Bowensville and Liverpool played in a rematch. It wouldn't shock me me if Liverpool won. It would not shock me at all. But that's something to keep an eye on later on down the road. Finally, real quick, uh, two teams battled each other on Saturday morning, yesterday morning, and Fayetteville-Manlius versus JD, two teams really struggling this year. But FM wins this one 12-8 in a game, you know, it was – Tight in the first quarter. 2-1 FM at the end of one. JD actually had the lead at the half, 6-4. Mm-hmm. But then five goals in the third by the Hornets. And then just then three more in the fourth quarter. Put everything away. 12-8 to eight was the final. In terms of FM, boy, did they share the ball. Joseph Hathorne had three goals, two assists. Same thing with Louis Cagliandro. Three goals, two assists for the parable. Uh, two goals and one assist for Robert Madden as well. One goal apiece for James Donzio and Michael Hance. Uh, Donzio. Uh, hopefully I spelled it, uh, hopefully I said that right, Donzio. Ad- there you go, also had an assist on the day. Um, no stats in terms uh, of goalies for JD, but in terms of scoring, Samuel Brazil had three goals, one assist on the day, two goals for Lucas Passion, but again, it wasn't enough. You know, and what's surprising is JD used to be a team that would you know dominate boys lacrosse, not so much anymore. They're four and four.
1: I mean, you look at the two teams, both of these two teams this year in terms of what they've been doing, and this game showed how one team is going to be able to bounce back, and the other team isn't. You look at JD; they've dropped, uh, they had dropped three out of their last four coming into this game. FM had lost their last four in a row, and with the comeback victory, the Hornets snapped that losing streak and JD's now dropped to four out of their last five. So really, I think it's a concerning trend on JD's part. FM proved that they are still, they might not have a great record at only four and seven, but they prove that they're still in playoff contention. And I don't know if JD can say the same. They've really concerned me with their play this year at only four and four. So I, I'm looking for JD to bounce back, but they need to do it sometime soon.
0: Yeah. And, again, fm, by the way, weren't they the defending section three champions? Uh, heading into this I think year? So yeah, yeah, so and, and Tough to see them, at, for them see them at four and seven right now. but I think they were in that spot last year and they ended up still winning it all. Yeah, so anything could happen, but I just find it kind of disappointing that j d is you know, is a team, you know, as we've said, usually dominates boys lacrosse. Yep. But this year the it's struggling, you know, and it's sort of like the growth of college lacrosse on the men's side. Mm-hmm. You know, more and more teams are getting better and better and better. It's just that a, a lot of these teams that used to dominate just can't catch up. Yep. So, well, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk with Ty Corey of Phoenix, baseball player of Phoenix, and it's a story you have to see to believe. Um, We'll tell more when we come back here on Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1. Don't go away. This is Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. And welcome back to Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio, Syracuse 97.7, 100.1 FM. And we're now joined by Ty Corey, uh, Star Phoenix baseball player, uh, only a freshman. Welcome to the show, Ty.
2: Hi, thank you for having me today.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you. And um, there was an article on Syracuse.com uh, that I read Thursday. Um, about how you're battling hemophilia A, a rare a rare blood disease. Um, can you tell me um, what's the uh, uh, in terms of how 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 does hemophilia A affect your body in a way?
2: So basically, it's where my blood does not clot, and so I'd get joint bleeds occasionally. And a target joint has meant for me has been my ankles, and blood would pool there. And it basically deteriorates, like, the inside of the joint. and makes it very painful to use. So, like, running and stuff makes it very painful and it gets worse, like, the longer I would do that.
1: Yeah, and especially playing baseball, that really wouldn't help it or would hurt it a lot. So, how how much does baseball affect that condition? Like, uh, how much is it hurting that condition? Does it make it worse if you're exercising or...
2: I think baseball's been pretty good about it because I'm mainly a pitcher and that really doesn't affect my ankles that much. And I think first base isn't bad either. It's just a lot of the running, which that that gets a lot after a while.
0: Now, because of your condition, uh, the New York State Public High School Athletic Association uh, made an exemption in the rules in terms of pinch runners. Um, Sort of explain... If you can, uh, what does the pinch runner rule entail and what does this exemption do for you?
2: So basically, uh, you can get a pinch runner in a game one time when you get on base. And if you get it a second time, then you have to be pulled from the game. But now for me, I can get a pinch runner like unlimited times for however many times I get on base and I won't have to sit from the game.
1: And how have your teammates and coaches really supported you uh, throughout you playing with
2: this uh, condition? They've been very supportive. All of my teammates understand for school and travel. All my coaches have understand and helped me, and they've been huge supporters.
0: Yeah, and it's great to have a support system like that. Um, so let's talk about this season. Um, Phoenix this year uh, has been doing pretty well in terms of uh, baseball. Yeah, six and three. Six and three on the year. Um, so, again, your condition notwithstanding is this season a special one for you because of, of you know, what you're going through? Or is it, it you know, obviously every team wants, uh, you know, every team wants to win a section three title. Do you think, it, 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 and again, some people might say, well, it's it's sort of an unfair advantage, but with, with your condition, it's sort of like a requirement really in terms of, you know, with this uh, unlimited pinch runner type deal how has this you know uh, you know affected your, your you, you know your teammates in a way you know especially since somebody has to come in and pinch run for you
2: uh they they've been very understanding with it and every game sometimes i get a different pinch runner and they've really just been understanding about it and supportive and i haven't gotten any backlash or anything they've just really understand all of
0: it mm-hmm.
1: and as this is your first season on varsity you're a freshman playing up Uh, How has the transition been going from JV, maybe uh, a little bit less competition? Now you're at varsity baseball where you're playing against kids a couple years older. Uh, How has that transition been going?
2: It's been nerve-wracking at times. I've just been trying to play my best and play how I know how to play and just let everything else happen around me and just try to play my
0: best game. Okay, so you played nine games so far this year. I mean, there's still plenty of baseball left to play besides your own ballpark where is the best place to play baseball that you've gone to
2: I'd say skinny Atlas had a really good field <laughs> they were they were really nice there yeah that's
1: one of the better places to play definitely and especially for you guys skinny Atlas is a team where that's really good competition that's two really good teams there and I mean so for your team what do you think the strengths of the, your team are the best aspects of your team in? Oppositely, what are the areas where you think you guys can improve a little bit? Uh, maybe round that area of your game out a little bit.
2: I think a strength is we always pick each other up, and we're always we always have each other's backs, and we know like the strengths of everyone and what they can do, so we know how to like cover them and everything when they need that. And probably a weakness is I think we could hit a little better, but we are working on that in the cage, and we're trying our best to get those hits up.
0: All right, Ty. Well, we're gonna throw you some uh, quick fire questions here. Um, yeah, that's what we always do when we have uh, players come on the show. Um, so, I-, I guess really one of the most obvious ones that we ask is, "What's your favorite pregame meal?"
2: Uh, it switches up a lot, actually. Really? <laughs> uh, usually before after school, I don't have anything before games. Maybe a granola bar, but in the mornings, definitely like waffles or like bunch of eggs and some waffles
0: kind of, like, sausage yeah. yeah lots of waffles that's always a good one uh favorite pregame music you listen to country
2: music older country
0: music country really country. okay yeah. that is that's a new one i like that that's good my fiance likes country music um just throwing that out there hi rachel just in case if you're listening um let's see what else we got favorite color Blue. Blue? Mm. Not bad for a team that wears black and orange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, do you have a favorite baseball team? The
2: Yankees. Nice. Thank
0: you. <laughs>
2: no Yankees.
0: <laughs> favorite Yankees player of all time?
2: Garrett Cole. I really
0: like Garrett Cole. Ah, uh, he pitched a gem yesterday. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did six innings of shutout ball. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, Okay. So, along with Yankee Stadium, I hate asking this question because I've never been. Have you ever been to Yankee Stadium? I've not. Thank you. <laughs> we had. I think. I think we had. I can't remember who we had, but we, I think we asked him like the same question, and he said he liked the Yankees, and, and he said he's been to Yankee Stadium, and I was just like, ah. The the thing is, what's weird about it is. I've been in enemy territory three times. And when I mean enemy territory, I mean Fenway Park (laughs) (laughs) in Boston. Been there three times, and I've never been to Yankee Stadium. Hmm. That is weird. Um, Let's see what else we got. Favorite movie?
2: Uh, My Cousin Vinny.
0: Ooh. That's an older one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I I sort of remember that one. Mm -hmm. I forgot who starred in it, though. Who starred in it? Do You remember?
1: I don't
0: know. Do you know Ty? I forgot. I no. Forgot the names. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if if somebody on Instagram tell <laughs> tell us who started my cousin Viddy, please. Um, and uh, I, I I guess finally last question. Uh, and it, and it's a big one. Who's been your biggest inspiration, especially you know going through your condition, you know, and playing baseball? Who's been your biggest inspiration so far?
2: Definitely my mom. She's never held me back from anything and she's always put me in sports and everything I've wanted to do. She's put me in it and been my biggest supporter throughout the way.
0: Yeah. And especially since mother's day is next week, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, it, it, and that's great. You know, my mom was an inspiration to me when I was going through my cancer treatment. Um, so it, it's great to have supporting parents um, throughout this whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's amazing in itself. Well, Ty Corey, Thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, it's been a blast. Uh, hopefully everything still goes well um, throughout the course of uh, the course of your young life battling hemophilia A. Um, good luck the rest of the season. And I hope we talk again soon.
1: I do too. Thank you for
0: having me. And
1: thank you for coming on.
0: Well, we'll be right back to wrap up Players Only here on ESPN Radio Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1. Don't go away. This is Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. And we're back on Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio Circus 97.7, 100.1. Um, and before we go into the Instagram questions, um there is one thing I just have to do because today is May 1st but three days later probably it's it's an unofficial holiday but I'm sorry you, you're you you can not have you know the week leading up to this without playing this <laughs> Yep, that's right, May 4th, this week, is Star Wars Day, May 4th, video. I just had to get this out, off of my chest early, and just do that, so, yeah, yeah, had to do that, get that off my chest, now let's get back to more high school sports, yeah, that's right, I'm a nerd, Um, so let's, let, let's start with, uh, I guess, really, the big question one, one, uh, one of the questions we got here from Instagram, thoughts on South Jefferson baseball this year? Um, I thought, you know, and as soon as I saw it, I looked up at their schedule and I was like, holy crow, they are unbeaten. And get this, not only are they unbeaten, they're 9-0 and on the year, 3-0 and in the Frontier League, but they've beaten a ton of opponents by eight or more runs.
1: That's they've had a really impressive start to this season. Really,
0: the only close game that they had was a one nothing win over Carthage on the road. That's it. Yep. So it's South Jefferson right now, bravo! You know, and again, they 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 don't have a lot of games left. They'll play six. You know, two with Lowville, one with Indian River, one with Beaver River, and then two with Watertown uh, to close out the year. But man, nine and zero on the year. South Jefferson, that's amazing.
1: I mean, they haven't had too difficult of a schedule so far, but what they've been able to do, again, as you said, the only close game was Carthage 1-0, and that was just more of poor hitting by them than the other team having a great game. So I think that this is a team that's really just built to succeed. They've got guys like Zach Blevins, Corey Roberts, Evan Woodrick, and Nolan Woodrick. So this is a team that's really built well. And they have a very good shot at winning a lot this year. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, it, it, like I said, 9-0 and and you win a vast majority of your games by eight or more runs. You know, South Jeff is going to be a tough team to, uh, to play against, especially come playoff time. Yeah. Um, so congrats to South Jeff so far. Um, let's look at now another question that we have on here, sort of in a similar vein. Uh, thoughts on Cicero North Syracuse softball. Uh, they're four and five on the year. Uh, and granted, anything can happen. Like I said, you need a 400 record to make the playoffs. Yep. So, you know, they're in decent shape, Cicero North Syracuse. And they've had some tough ones. I mean, losing to Marcellus by one earlier in the year, 10 to nine. Uh, then getting crushed by Camden, 22 to six. Ouch. Crushed by Ballinsville, 17 to one. And then losing to a. A good Victor team by eight runs, ten to two. They've, you know, they've been playing pretty average in terms of softball so far this year. But they got a big matchup with Liverpool coming up on on uh, Tuesday. That's going to be a tough one. Um, but they also have a tough. They also have a couple of tough, non-league games. That. They got Webster Schroeder May seventh, Ichabod Crane May fourteenth. Font Bon Hall Academy on May 15th, as well as a game with Victor again on the 15th. So, you know, if I'm the North Stars right now, I think you're feeling pretty good, despite the fact that you're 4-5 on the year. Like I said, you only need a 400 record to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're feeling good, but you also need to start playing better than they have been because right now they've been at a solid pace of, Losing to the teams they're supposed to lose to and beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And if you're playing a tough schedule where you see, as you mentioned, as you mentioned, Webster Schroeder, Beeville, Crane and Fontball Hall Academy, and then Victor, five games in a row where those are all very losable games. Mm-hmm. So you need to pick up at least two wins there to really have a shot at as you said, getting that four hundred rec- record making the playoffs. So I, I'm looking for an improvement out of this team. They don't need to improve much. They just need to improve a little bit to where they have been.
0: Well, they do have a winnable game May 6th on the road at West Jenny. They um, crushed them last And they, be, they beat them at home 12-2. to two. Yeah. So I say, you know, it, it, even if you lose your non-section games, mm-hmm. you know, against Webster, Schroeder, Ichabod, Crane, Fontbon, Hall, and Victor, if you lose those four, I wouldn't be too worried about it because you can make those up. With you know, again, they play West Jenny, a team that they can beat. They can they could beat FM. They got two with Liverpool coming up. Yep. I mean, it's you know, those are the two games I'd be worried about. Uh, are the two Liverpool ones? Yeah, that's gonna be tough. But as long as long as you have a four hundred record either in your overall league play or your sectional play, you should be okay. Yeah, and I I think CNS will make the playoffs. It's gonna be a tough road. You know, the month of May is. Is gonna be gonna be tough for the North Stars, but I think they're gonna be fine. Yeah. Um. As long as they just you know keep games tight, and who knows if you if you win one, that a game that you were supposed to lose, hey, that's a bonus for you. Yep. So I think the North Stars are in pretty decent shape, uh, heading into that. So real quick, I know I played the Star Wars theme earlier, but I have to ask, do you have any plans on May Fourth? <gasps> um, not
1: really. Just uh, kind of chilling. Yeah, yeah, I like
0: Star Wars, but really just. Ones are. Oh, um, blasphemy! <sighs> prequel trilogy is prequel trilogy is getting some good stuff back. Yeah, despite the fact, you know, um, you know, the sequel trilogy. I mean, there is talk that they are maybe again take this with a grain of salt. They might be redoing the sequel trilogy. I don't know. So, who knows? But um, you know. May 4th, I'm wearing my Star Wars gear. Hands down. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. I mean, why not? So, um, also Star Wars Celebration is this week uh, as well. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of Star Wars stuff coming on. I'm excited for the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series that's coming out on yeah. Disney+. Plus. That's you know, Originally, it's supposed to be May 25th, but now it's May 27th that it's coming up. And not only is it going to premiere on the 27th, The first two episodes will air on the 27th. So if you haven't gotten Disney Plus yet, get it. It's well worth it. it, Trust me. Um, And a lot of other Star Wars stuff. I mean, come on. It's May 4th. Yeah. Seriously. So I'll say this. May the 4th be with us all. And there's my nerdum for today. So that'll do it for... This episode of Players Only, again, we only got three shows left in the month of May. Who would have thunk? So for for Ty, who came on the show today, for my co-host Ryan Story, I'm Matt Slocum, wishing you a great rest of your Sunday. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, and next week is Mother's Day. Yep. So, yeah, we'll have a special show for um, all you mothers out there as well. So until then, see you next time on Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio, Syracuse 97.7, 100.1.